All right, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time once again that we can come before you as a collective um, to be able to see what it is that you want us to learn. I pray as we talk about the mind and the helmet of salvation, Father, we'll understand the importance of taking it up every day to ensure that our minds are screwed solid, ensuring that we uh, fulfill a life of purpose, of focus, even in the midst of dense warfare. And with that being said, I come against every demonic spirit, anything that may war against myself. I counsel any plot or scheme in the enemy set against myself, my family, my property, anything that pertains to me. And Father, I turn my attention back to you. We thank you for that authority being executed. And we thank you that this message will come out seamlessly and uh, intentionally for your glory in the lives and hearts of these young people. And we appreciate you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We got about four more weeks left in this warfare uh, topic. Uh, we're at the tail end of the scripture in regards to spiritual warfare. But we're going to be talking about taking up that helmet of salvation. I'm going to read the scripture in context so that you can understand where we're going to be landing today. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. We talked about years ago, like, whoa, months ago, that there are going to be evil days, no matter how old you are or how young you are. There are going to be some significant days that are going to seem evil. Uh, when your mom passed or your dad passed or, or something rocks your world, you're going to have an evil day. And it's important that we are uh, still soldiers that are able to withstand, even if it's just the evil day of temptation, even if it's just the evil day of, of those things along those natures, it is important that we are equipped. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, the question that we're, I'm opposed to you all, not for you to, respond is, is your mind an asset or a liability? Is your mind, the way you perceive life, the way you engage life, the way you think about life, is it an asset or a liability? God wants our minds to be useful. What are some amazing things that one can do with their mind that God is like, hey, go after that and pursue that? It's just, it's just a roach, my brother. Ain't a roach. No. A mosquito. All right. So what are, what are some amazing things that God will love for us to utilize our minds for or to accomplish? And 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 why is that? And what are some things that can really distract one's mind from their purpose? Money, males. It depends on what side, yeah. yeah. A lot of things, right? Anything and everything. What is what is something else that God will love for our minds to be used for? Yes, sir. Gifts and talents. And and why does He want us to give that mental energy to those gifts and talents? That's good. And what are some things that can get in the way of one's mind that will prevent them from unearthing their gifts and talents? Distractions that the devil sends. Um, if we are friends or peers, just pretty much any distraction he would try to get us off course from our 
Good, good. Anyone else want to add to that? What are some things that God wants us to use our minds for? Those two are the basic things, but there could be some other things. Uh, it's important that we understand that the world system that we're in, which is satanic, is after our minds. Our minds encompasses so much energy. Like, like right now, whatever you put your mind to, what do they say? You can accomplish anything you put your mind to. Uh, they also talk about that a mind is a terrible thing to what? Boy, that must have been my generation. Waste. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. Right. See, your mind and your brain are different. See, your brain is an organ. Your mind is immaterial. Like your brain is what holds, you know, um, memorization is, is a computer. But your mind is the essence of you. Your mind is how you perceive. Your mind is how you engage. And it's very important that you understand the glorious gospel message and the beautiful process of salvation that becomes a helmet that protects your mind. It will look stupid for an NFL player to go on the field with a helmet, right? They'll be dumb. It'll also be dumb for a soldier to go out into war without some type of helmet covering. Why? Just simple. Headshot. And what happens when you're shot in the head? You're dead. Thank you, my brother. You're dead. But how many of us are wide open mentally? Wide open psychologically. See, before warfare is felt physically, it's felt psychologically. Right now, so many of us are still warring mentally off of something that is not going to help us to fulfill a purpose. That's not going to help us get our gifts and talents out. And how many people in this room right now are mentally entrapped, mentally imprisoned by something that happened Outside of their vision. Right right now, what your mom did or didn't do, that's not in your vision right now. Right. And, and, and that's why you look at a car. The rear view mirror is smaller than the windshield. Why? Focus on what's ahead. I heard someone say the other day or actually this morning, this gentleman said in a message, he was saying how predators eyes are forward. Praise eyes are on the side. Why is that? If you look at most predators, predator, I'm talking about animals that eat animals, their eyes are forward, but the prey that's eaten by predators are eyes on the side. Why is that? Why is a prey, a gazelle or a rabbit or whatever, eyes are on the side for most animals? <laughs> is a rabbit's eyes forward? Anyway, they have to be aware, right? As a human, where are our eyes positioned? forward a predator's mentality is the goal for us in order for us to be solid mentally we have to have a hunter's mentality are you hunting or are you hunted are you so caught up on what your friend is doing what society says or are you looking ahead Mentality says, I got too much to conquer. Right now, I can't worry about a comment on YouTube. I can't worry about a stalker. I can't worry about all these different people because I'm not prey. I'm a predator. My goal is to conquer all the lands that God wants me to have, to conquer like the house my wife wants, uh, my, the things that, that, that will make my life uh, amazing. I can't get so caught up and we can't get so caught up on what's around us. We got to be focused on what's ahead of us. And a lot of us, we're being hunted by old thoughts, hunted by old people, hunted by certain things that we were supposed to be hunting or distracting us from hunting. What is that purpose that you're supposed to be going after? Our eyes were not meant to be on the side. We don't have eyes in the back of our heads. We were meant to go ahead. 
And a mentality that's solid says, I got to make sure that I got this helmet of salvation, realizing I'm saved by the blood of the lamb, realizing that my sins are forgiven, realizing that I'm a joint heir with Christ. I'm a son of God, that I'm a person that shouldn't even be caught up in guilt, shame and condemnation to the point to where I can now go and possess the nations. I can go out and make things happen. I can go out there and win. I don't care if you lost 10 minutes ago. I don't care if you lost yesterday. It's wins or lessons. And the goal of life is to make sure that we have a mentality, that we have a mindset that's set on things that are above so that our lives can rise above. And so right now, what are you hunting or what is hunting you? Because we're saved by the blood of the lamb, we don't have to fear any predators for we supposed to be the predators pursuing the prey of purpose. Now, I have a question. Why is it important to protect your mind overall? Why is it important to protect your mind? Yes. Because we all have sometimes get off track with it and we don't, you know, because thoughts can come in our head and we can just play on to it when if it's a bad thought, we don't need to entertain it. If it's a good thought, we need to entertain it. So that's why we got to keep the mind in straight because we don't, we're going to lose every time. We're going to lose every time. Anyone else want to add to that? Now, I wrote here. <clears throat> Here are the components of the mind, and we're going to kind of break down how the gospel plays a part, and then maybe next week we'll talk about how to protect the mind. See, your mind, which is a big portion of your soul, have we gone down spirit, soul, and body? We broke that down. I have multiple classes, and I've shared it so many times, but anyone in here heard that process of the, of the spirit, soul, and body? What do we say? Your spirit houses your what? Come on. You got it. <laughs> Oh, that's good. That's good. Good. That's good. Uh, all right. The soul houses your what? Yep. Yep. That too. Yep. All right. So your spirit <laughs> houses who you really are. That's why the Bible says that God is looking for true worshipers, those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. We talked about worship, probably not in here, but other classes that the way we do worship, most people worship wrong. They think their worship is predicated on what they do on a Sunday. What people do at the altar is not really worship. When we sing worship songs, that's not really worship. The greatest tactic of the enemy is to condense worship into songs and not a melody of one's life. Worship is what you do with your life. Right now, listening or not listening is a form of worship. Uh, what you do with this message as you go out is a form of worship. What you do with your life in the presence of the Most High God really determines if you're truly worshiping. And that's why if you look at, I don't know if I said this here, <clears throat> but I had a profound revelation with God. I know if I said it here, cool, I'll say it again. It's how, why was Cain's worship not accepted by God, but Abel's was accepted? Did I say that here? I'm looking at your eyes, looking at me, I guess I didn't. Why was Cain's offering or worship not accepted? What did Cain give to God? What, what did he give? The stuff from the ground, right? What did Cain give? I mean, Abel give. What did Abel give? <clears throat> I got you. No worries. She said she got you. Abel gave a lamb. Cain gave what's from the ground. The ground was what? Uh-uh. After Adam and Eve left Eden, what happened to the ground? The ground was what? Cursed. The lamb was a foreshadowing of who? Jesus. Jesus. <clears throat> so when we give from our flesh, which is cursed, 
So how many people, in, when the text kind of gives the allusion to, he says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. When we only worship from our bodies, lifting up of hands or singing of songs, or we worship from our soulish realm and that organ hits the right keys and everyone's jucking and jiving and shouting, right? right? Like that form of worship is to a degree, if it's not from the spirit, man, cursed. But when you are worshiping from who you are, where the spirit of God is, where the lamb of God resides, that worship is acceptable. And when you look at your spirit, man, it houses your personality, it houses your gifts and talents, it houses your character. So true worship from, for, from a person that's, that's as a sweet aroma to God is a worship that comes from integrity, a worship that comes from character, a worship that comes from your authentic self, a worship that comes when you take that book out of you, you take that song out of you, you take that business out of you, and you give it before God for God to be glorified. That's real worship. All this stuff that we do in church is only 5% worship. 95% worship is what you do with your life. And so when we understand within that context, then we'll say, okay, God, I got to make sure that I'm in position to truly worship you. And it talks about here is that when we understand our minds, which are in our soul, the Bible says we transform by the renewing of our what? When the spirit, of, when the spirit man is uh, uh, solidified as sealed by Jesus and Jesus, the Lord of that one's life, that person, if they cooperate with the salvation process, becomes a new creature. Their soul begins to be renewed. Now, if you look at the, 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 the connection of these words, your soul is like soil. Your soul and mind is like soil. Thoughts are seeds. Have I gone into this with y'all? Okay, this must be YouTube and other people. So thoughts are seeds. Thinking is rain. Thought patterns are the plants. And what you get from those thought patterns, the fruits that you eat. Now, let's make it plain. That's why it's very important that you do not entertain every thought. There's two types of things planted in most soils. There are seeds and what? Weeds. Thank you. Seeds and weeds. Now, seeds produce what? Are they on kind? Weeds do what? They don't produce fruit. Nobody went to a weed plant and was like, oh, man, these, well, people smoke it, but, but that's not technically a weed. It's titled weed, but it's not a weed. But either way, we'll get off that real quick just in case somebody be. Anyway, weeds choke what? The plant. God sows seeds. The enemy sows weeds. Weeds choke up what the seed wants to produce. Anybody got a Bible on them that I can use? Right, Mark chapter 4. Okay, you want to read that? Let me make sure. I don't have the internet, so I can't pull up in my, my Bible. You got me? I forget. Uh, Mark 4, 1 through 11, I believe. I read, yeah. Unless you want to, you want to read? Nah, I got you. I got you. She didn't. All right. <clears throat> who, who knows the story of the four soils? Hard, hard. Okay, I read. The parable of the sower. It's story time, Mr. <laughs> Sit back, relax. It's a story, yeah. And again, he began to teach by the sea, Jesus here, and a great multitude, I felt everybody get relaxed. That was, we got Ari on the floor, she's story times. <laughs> I said, she said, this is how I sit when it's story. All right. And again, he began to teach by the sea, 
And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and sat in or sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up. And because it had no depth of earth, but when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, these weeds, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. But another seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some 30 fold, some 60 fold and some 100 fold. And he said to them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. But when he was alone after the crowd went away, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you, it was it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables so that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven. Now, here is the explanation. I want you guys to take consideration of where you are in this iteration or alliteration. Yeah, it's all right. Seven out of ten. Here we go again. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. The word of God is seed. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and take away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy And they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for one for another for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit, some 30 fold, some 60 fold and some 100 fold. Now, this parable is very important for us to understand. There's four types of soils in this room right now. There are some people whose hearts are so hardened. They hear me, but they don't hear me. They hear me, but they don't fear him. So their hearts are are solid. So the seed that I'm throwing right now, which is the word of God, is falling on the ground. And the Bible says immediately the crows, the devil comes and snatches the word. So about time. No, I don't know if anyone in this room, but about time. Some of you all, maybe one of you all, maybe none of you all walk out this door. The word is snatched. Gone. It didn't even sink in. The people who had the stony ground, they had stones in their heart. They had hardness of their heart. They had a situation that they haven't fixed yet. They unforgiving towards their parents or unforgiving towards their friend, resentful about this teacher, whatever it is, there are some stones there and, and they had some earth, but not enough earth. They didn't have enough to get root. So what happened was that hardness up under their heart, even though there was some freshness there, 
some topsoil, there wasn't enough for that plant, the word of God, to be rooted. They received it with joy, it says. It says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. So a lot of people say, oh, this word is amazing. I receive it. It's great. It feels good. But they don't want to take it in. It says, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. So some people in this room possibly are people who look like they're saved, look like something's planted. But soon as someone challenges them about what they believe, soon as something happens and they become crippled mentally about being committed to what God says in his word, they stumble. Now, those with thorns in their heart, it says this. It says, and they have no root in themselves. Okay, keep going. And these are the ones sown among thorns, the weeds we're talking about. So the, right now, there's some people in this room right now, the word of God is being sown. But because the devil came ahead of God and planted weeds, thought patterns, uh, 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 things that got you thinking that you're insignificant, thoughts that's gotten you believing that you can't amount to nothing, things that got those weeds, those lustful weeds, those uh, selfish, ambitious weeds, those validation weeds have already been sown. So now you come to a, a class like this and maybe hear the word of God afresh. And then, if it, and then when I cast the seed out there, there's thorns there. It says, now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world. The deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. The goal is for us to be good ground. See, what comes first? The seed or the toiling? The toiling. With no farmers in the room. No, no problem. Meaning this. Thank you, sweat. Appreciate you. Meaning this. If I go outside on concrete, is that concrete ready to plant a seed? What do I got to do to that concrete if I want to plant something? I got to break it up. Then what do I got to do? I got to get in the soil to remove the stones. Then I got to get into the soil and remove the weeds. Then I got to fertilize. Then I got to get the soil ready. That's why most people hate fall and winter, but love spring and summer. You can't have spring or summer without fall and winter. Shout out to Lauren Hill. You can't have spring and summer without fall and winter. Why? Why is fall and winter more important than spring and summer? Yes. Girl, you teaching. That Indian style got you in, in a, different, a different place. Say it one more time for the people that couldn't hear you. Now, raise your hand is fall is one of your favorite seasons. It's, it's probably my top, top, yep, top favorite season, right? Now, why do we admire fall? What are some elements of fall that we admire? I'm talking about the nature. <laughs> the leaves are beautiful, right? But do you know that what we're seeing as beautiful in fall is actually a tree dying? So we're admiring death. I'm not saying a tree is dying, but it's going through a process, right? Fall, most people do not want to engage the spiritual work of process of God because most people, they come to God with joy. I got saved. 
I got hell insurance. I ain't burning, right? Oh, God is so good. I have a new perspective on life. After three to four months, that spiritual high comes down because the first thing you got to go through as a believer is fall. God says, your life was, quote unquote, green before you came to me. You had a great job. You had a great life. You and your girlfriend, y'all was dating. You and your boyfriend, y'all was looking good. Everything looks green. And then some of us, we get very upset with God because as soon as we give our life to God, it seems like all hell break loose. But the reason why all hell breaks loose, so hell can break loose off of us, right? So fall comes and things fall off us. And we're sitting there like, man, she just fell off of my life. Hold on, God, she was my everything. He fell off my life, but God, I thought he was going to be my high school sweetheart. Uh, this, your friends start falling off. Then, then, then you're like, man, what's going on? Is, does God love me? Then here comes winter. It's cold. You're by yourself. People don't like when things fall apart or fall off. And people don't like when they're bare by themselves. But why do you think God isolates you first? Yes. Because sometimes people are so dependent on us. Mm-hmm. And he feels that you depend only on his security. That's perfect. His goal is to say before I spring you into action, And before I help you or put you in a position of reaping harvest in summer, things got to fall off and you got to learn how to be by yourself. The issue is a lot of people, the reason why they can't follow Jesus and the prerequisites to following him is what? He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him first what? Deny himself, take up his cross. Now, can two or three people die on the same cross? You on that cross by yourself. First, you got to deny yourself. Then you got to take up your own cross and say, I'm going to bear this purpose. Now, I tell I said someone the other day, I said, Jesus, um, the payment wasn't clear. Like what he did in Galilee was great. Amazing. Water to wine. Great. Lazarus come alive. Come forth, Lazarus. And he's hopping out of the tomb. Great. The woman healed with the issue of blood. That was amazing. The teachings, the parables, but none of that meant anything if he never got on that what? It doesn't matter what you do in life. It means nothing until you're on your cross. That you're willing to die to yourself so that others can live. Right now, my cross is speaking. Right now, my cross is writing. Right now, my cross is communication. That's my cross. And most people are dying on hills that ain't Calvary. So many people are dying on heels that God said, I ain't tell you to go that hard for accounting. Oh, my bad. <laughs> I don't know if I'm prophesying. I'm sorry. That wasn't for you, Hannah. Sorry. That was in my subconscious. She went, okay. God didn't tell you to die on a hill. All right, I'm going to just put my hand down. Nobody told us to die on certain heels. There are certain heels that we were meant to feel, right? Now, the heels, the feels that I'm supposed to till are ezzies, things that are in my family, things that God allow or whoever he allows in my family. That's what I meant to tell. Now, if, if a woman named Cassandra comes along and I say, oh, that grass is green over there. Me and my wife is going through a little, you know, right? And, and, but this, this grass over there, is God going to bless if I go and jump that fence? And No, he ain't, right? Purpose is essential. Purpose is where it needs to be. So each and every one of us got to assess Yo, like, am I really pursuing him? 
Like God wants our hearts because if he has our hearts, he has everything else. And so it's very important that we understand what type of soil do I have? How many weeds are in me right now versus seeds? Like, can your purpose even sprout up? What is, who are those people you need to forgive? What are those things you need to let go of so that your purpose can really break, come forth? That's why you got to think about what thoughts and what seeds are cast. Now, what, and what, through what passageways are seeds thrown into our hearts and minds? What are some mechanisms, some channels, some, some pathways that farmers are just casting seed? The shows we watch, the music we listen to, the people that's around us. Like how many of us, someone just threw a seed in there, threw a weed in there, and now you ain't even pursuing that purpose because they said there was no money in it. Do you know your best money is where you're supposed to be purpose-wise? Like even if I, even if I pursued real estate or something, something of that nature, I made a lot of money in it. That ain't my best money. Why? I'm not happy. Well, that boy teaching. Dap, dap him out up. Josh, dap, dap. Get. That was good, man. It, it was inspiration. So what we're saying is, is that you can't pursue happiness because there's a lot of people that's making more money than all of us combined and they're miserable. And so what we got to think about is I got to make sure that I'm not allowing anything just to plant seeds into my life. Now, thinking. Thinking is one of your greatest assets. And the issue with most of us in thinking, we rarely, we rarely do it. Why is thinking so powerful? We're talking about thinking. We're not talking about a thought. We're talking about taking the time to think. Why is thinking so powerful? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I would say because when we're thinking, we are understanding what we can see down the road, and plus the devil doesn't really know what we're thinking or see. We tell him. That's good. Yeah. Thinking is so powerful, and this is the reason why. Multiple reasons, but here's why I'm gonna give you, and then I'll probably be done. When we think on something, we given that thing that we're thinking on life. Whatever has your focus flourishes. So if you put all your thinking in a relationship that's sinking, then you're not going to have success. God wants our thinking to be on things that are above. He wants our thinking to be on ideas. That's why we've all heard this same, possibly, probably. We heard that small-minded people talk about what? Other people. Uh, Mid-sized minds or medium minds think, talk about or think about what? Events. And big-minded people think about what? Ideas. Now, don't even look at your friend or give any type of gesture towards that person. If they only talk about people and they only talk about events, then that person should not be a person in your life. You got to be around people that's talking about ideas. That's why I don't have many friends. They don't own my thinking level. Like I'm thinking of generationally. I'm thinking down the road. I don't got time. I remember one time these group of guys came to me and all they talked about was the Panthers or the Mahomes, what Mahomes is doing. They were talking about sporting events. And, and, they'll, and when Pastor Gould passed away, they'll come in and, and talk about people to me. I'm like, fam, I don't give a flip about that. I'm trying to flip properties. I'm trying to flip my living conditions. Like you coming to me talking about events and people. 
when I'm trying to save people through my ideas. Now, thinking is so powerful because all of us have God-given ideas. All of us have purposes. And imagine if you took time to think on those things. I love when God puts a book in me and I got to think it through. Thinking is so fundamental to the point to where if you don't take time to think, my friend, you're going to end up sinking because most of us don't think people through. We don't think situations through. They say that, uh, that we're, we're uh, dumber than goldfish. I think I'm saying that right. That we don't, that our, that our uh, concentration, what is it? Attention span is the, is the span of a goldfish. There was somebody, I was watching something popped up on my feed. They said 20 some years ago, a man, it was on uh, MSNBC News or whatever. He said that in 20 to 25 years, this is before social media was out. He said people would not be able to last longer than 10 seconds when it comes to thinking. And look where we at. We can't even, if the video ain't hitting in the first 0.5 seconds, we off it. And the Bible says in the last days, this is scary because when you look at it, you will begin to see that all we care about is does it make me feel good versus is it good for me? When you lose your ability to think things through, my friend, you're through. You got to be able to look at a situation and say, if a person comes to you, you got to think them through. Is this the right time for him and I? Is this the right time for her and I? Is this the right time to think about this? You got to be able to say, can I endure? The Bible says in the last days, people would not be able to endure sound doctrine. We don't even know what gender is anymore. We don't even know what marriage is anymore. And when marriage and gender ideologies and all these different things which were created from the beginning is stripped from their meanings, then my friends, here we are at the end. And that's why we got to say, God, teach me how to think. Teach me to think on things that are above so that my mind can be settled. So I won't be thinking on things that's wasting my time. Whatever you're thinking on is taking your energy. The goal in life is to think on things that will give you energy. What are some things that you can think on that automatically gives you energy of inspiration and motivation? We'll go to Ahmad because Ahmad is our motivator for tonight. What are some things? Maybe you're not. Don't. Oh, got me. So what are some things that we think on that gives us energy right back? No, 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 no. So thinking on that every single day does what to your actions? Make you work hard. It also inspires you to create those million dollar ideas so that your mama don't have to work anymore. That's something that you think on. Because when you're having a bad day and you're like, man, such and such got on my nerve at school or this person, whatever. You can go home and I tell my clients all the time, turn your ceilings into TV screens and visualize your life. Like, like don't look and count sheep. Count opportunities. Count ideas. Because when you think about your mama, man, you will live differently. What are some of the things that we can think on that automatically gives you energy as soon as you think on it? Yes, we are. Um, okay, first of all, yeah, God. Mm-hmm. And then I'm saying that this is like my main motivation or whatever. I understand. But proving people wrong. Like yeah. See, that's motivating. Anybody else? One last person. What is something? Comedy. 
that went family. And why thinking on family is so inspirational that it takes you above a circumstance or situation? Gotcha. And it keeps you going. Yes, sir. I'm just going to do everything for you. And they're going to be there for you, whatever you want them, just like God. Yeah. And that's why I think everyone has to make them proud. And that's going to go from me. And that's inspirational. It's amazing. Now, when you think about those different things, it gives you immediate energy and satisfaction because now you're saying, I don't got to involve myself in distractions. And that's what's beautiful about thinking. But when we think on negative things and we think on earthly things, we're distracted. Could it be, and we all know these people in this world today, who's y'all's age and they're multimillionaires. Y'all's age and already at that level. But imagine if we had that focus. Like, and that's what I hate about school. The school system is the biggest distraction ever created. It's a factory for individuals to work in factories. That's what it's created for. It's created for you to become workers and areas is not your purpose. And that's why school is trash, in my opinion. Yeah, I work at one, but my goal is to revolutionize the school system, right? Because you're learning things that you're never going to earn from. Math should stop after multiplication division. That's when math should stop. Right. History should stop at fourth grade. Right. Like all these science, unless you a scientist, should stop in third grade. All you need to know is what what do rocks do and and stuff. Just joking. There's don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day or at the end of your day, you got to make sure you think about you and yours and your purpose in life. I tell people all the time, you're five to nine means more than your nine to five. That's for people in school and that's people that work. Nine to five, great. Go to school, practice, do all that stuff. And that's why, and hear me on this. This, this is what I'm going to do in my household. Just say, just believe, just know this is what I'm going to do in my house. My daughter, I don't care if she brings C's or D's. I really don't care. C's and D's don't matter much to me. A's and B's don't matter much to me. And what I mean by, and I'm not saying y'all do this in y'all because y'all parents are your parents. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you getting in trouble. But the reason why I say this is that if you give all of your energy, it depends on what you're doing. Get A's and B's. If, you, if you're a surgeon, I need you to have straight A's, okay? Like, if you're going to be a lawyer for me, please have straight A's. We're talking about the 80% of the people who's not going to be those top 20% individuals in regards towards, like, surgery, stuff like that. But you never want to give something that's not in your purpose more energy than your purpose, you want to be in a position to say, okay, now if school plays a part in your purpose, invest in that because that's going to get you to your purpose. I'm talking to those entrepreneurs, those creatives in the room who are stifled by a system that's not made for them. Not saying the school system is bad for everyone, but it's bad for a lot of people. And the goal is to make sure that you're not so caught up in a system that's not going to work for you that you haven't created systems that will work for you. Creative systems. Like, do, do your best in school. Get the best that you can get. But don't cry if you got a C, fam. Me getting a C back in my day, I ain't care if my mom didn't like it. I liked it. <laughs> anyway, let me keep going. <laughs> what am I trying to say? I'm going to close here. When you walk out of this door, what are you going to think on? 
Because where, where or whatever you focus on flourishes. Now, next we're going to be talking about how the helmet of salvation protects one's mind. What are the three steps of salvation? Three steps. They all rhyme. Uh-uh. Yeah, it's okay. What is it? Now, let me, let, me, let me say something that's alarming. If you don't know enough about something, could you really have that something? Like if I, if, if, if I tell you, if, if I asked you to give me five evidences that you're saved right now, could you give me, don't say nothing, could you really give me five concrete evidence, fruit-bearing evidence that you're truly saved? Most people, I did this in my ninth grade, scared them to death. I told them, I asked them, give me some, give me some evidences in your life that if an atheist comes to you and presses you, you have enough evidence you have enough intellectual understanding of what you believe to prove that you're saved. If we don't even know what the gospel is from front to back, if we don't even know the process of salvation, if we really don't even know these different things, could we really be saved? Now, don't get me wrong. God can come in and, 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 and even in, in your ignorance, even in your insignificance or your misunderstanding can still save you. But when you're able to defend your faith, could you defend it? Because the scary thing, not a scary thing, but a real a reality is when you go off to college and you go off to the workforce and you're around atheists and you're around five percenters and you're around Muslims and you're around these people and they challenge you on your faith. This stuff you learn in these Bible class ain't going to help you. They, ain't gonna, they, don't, they don't care about your Noah. <laughs> they don't care about your Moses. They don't care about your Jesus. They want to know, why do you believe what you believe? And if you can't snap it out of your mouth, why you believe what you believe, do you truly believe? That's the scary thing about modern-day Christianity. We have built people who know the word but don't know how to live it. And the question is, if you don't have that helmet of salvation on, all they got to do is shoot for your head, fam, and your whole faith is dead. Because you didn't have no faith in the beginning. If you, I told my kids, ninth, ninth grade, I said, I said, when did y'all get saved? Six, seven, six or seven. You fully comprehend what you signed on the dotted line for? I said, the, the number one reason why most of y'all got saved and y'all haven't checked y'all salvation the day you went to the altar was because you heard a message on hell. If you don't get saved, the hell is hot. And if you don't get your life right, you're going to burn forever. Mommy, I, I don't want to burn, Mommy. We all did that. Ran down to the altar crying. Don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. But you still got hell in your life. So next week, we're going to really, if you show up, we're going to talk about, here's three steps. Justification sanctification, glorification. And we're going to talk about how each one of those protects the mind, that, that uh, liberates the mind to be able to think on things that it should be thinking on. Sounds good? Is anyone in here who's like, yo, and maybe you can talk to me afterwards, and you're like, fam, I don't know enough to be saved possibly, and I don't even think I have enough evidence to prove because the evidence of an orange tree is is what? It's fruit. The evidence of an apple tree is it's what? If I look at a tree, what did Jesus do with the fig tree when it had no figs? The Bible says it had leaves, which gave the implication that if you lift the leaves, there should be fruit. A lot of us, we got the leaves, 
because we know how to dress Christianity. We know, we know how to dress like Christians, talk like Christians, walk like Christians. But when we really lift up the leaves of our lives, there's no fruit of a believer there. And so if you're that individual, I'm not going to put you on the spot now, but if you need to come holler at me today or next whatever, well, let's say this prayer together. This will help those. And then I believe that through this collective prayer, hearts are opened. And I trust that the Holy Spirit, who I'm in partnership with, would then guide you down that journey as you stay, stay with me in this class.